The statistics are grim. One in five working moms say they've been passed over for an important assignment or for a promotion because they have children. And women who take even one year off to have kids come back to earn 40% less than their peers. Working moms outpace, outperform, and outwork their peers. So why don't companies make an effort to support working moms? And how can working moms advocate for themselves in the workplace and in their careers? Frankly, we're tired of asking for a seat at the table. It's time to make our own table, and we're going to talk about how. I'm Zabine Mirza, and this is Moms at Work. Friends and fans, welcome to Season 2 of Moms at Work, the official podcast of Jobs.Mom. I'm your host, Zabine Mirza, and we are kicking off Season 2 with a very important, impactful, meaningful, and exciting topic um, brought to us by our very own Anne Hill. Anne is the owner of Hilltop Solutions, and she's going to be talking to us today about something called the zone of genius. And before we get to Anne, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a context around why we're talking about this topic and what season two is going to look like for us um, at jobs.mom. Anne's going to be taking us through this concept of the zone of genius, which is very much around finding your vision, finding your passion, but beyond that, finding the things that you're good at that you can actually monetize make a living, make a profit out of, make a name for yourself out of, whether that's as an entrepreneur, an employee, somebody re-entering the workforce. And we're going to be using that as a springboard this season uh, to launch what I'm going to call the Founders Five. And they're going to be short five-minute snippets, segments, to help all of you that are listening really hone in on skills around everything like media and marketing and finance and compliance Um, From A to Z, we're going to be taking all of our listeners um, through every, you know, possible and imaginable zone of genius. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Um, uh, That's what that's the lens through which we're going to be looking at this season's podcast. So, again, uh, today's guest, first episode of season two, Anne Hill. And thanks for being here today. Hi, thanks so much. I'm so excited to be a part of your um, your second season. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. And, and you know, this this zone of genius, ever since you and I started talking about this, it's something that I have been gushing about because <laughs> it's it's first of all, the phrase zone of genius is in itself, oh my God, what is that? So let's let's talk about what is the zone of genius. Yeah, so I like to kind of classify it as the sweet spot. The what it is that you do that you love doing that you're passionate about or that it provides something that uh, helps you to be passionate about what you're doing. So like, for instance, I, I work in the operations space. I love analyzing things. I love researching things. I love the back end of business and that just anything that goes with that is what gets me excited. Um, and I know that's not always the case for everybody. Um, there's a lot of people that really avoid the back end of their business as much as possible. Um, so for me, like I said, it's it's that sweet spot of the, these are things that get me excited and they're things that I can talk about forever and ever. Yeah. And, and I think that's so important because so many of us are resigned almost to lives of kind of slogging through our careers, punching in the nine to five, kind of going to a job because we feel like we have no choice. 
Mm-hmm. No, but there is an opportunity for us to do things that we're good at, that we're passionate about, and make a living uh, from that. So let's let's first talk about how do you figure out what is your zone of genius for yourself. So for me in particular, it took a lot of reflection and it took a lot of um, discussion with people that were close to me. Um, looking at, they've known me for a while. They knew what I liked to do. They knew what I talked about. They knew what sort of things interest me and intrigued me. Um, so I talked with people that were close to me. I talked with some different, um, in all honesty, one of them was even a, a, she essentially was my boss uh, prior to me starting my business. And, uh, you know, just talking with her on what was it that you saw that you thought that I did well? Um, I had, you know, obviously ideas of it, but it was still good to get that perspective, that outside perspective. Um, And then also sitting on some ideas myself, writing down, even whether you journal or whether you just, you know, take time to, to take notes and write things down. Um, but sitting on the idea of, of what it is that I like, what lights me up and, and, you know, answering those questions um, and then just, you know, looking and comparing in the, in my lifetime, what, what did I always get drawn to? Um, some for my background, I was a physical therapist by background, um, but I also was a rehab manager. And so for me, it was looking at, okay, well, I obviously enjoyed physical therapy. Why did I enjoy physical therapy? Why did I enjoy being a rehab manager? Why did I enjoy being a, a, a resident, a room advisor, I think is what they called them when I was in college. Um, and I was in the dorms helping, taking care of people and, and looking at what my background was even prior to that. I was, I was, you know, coach in soccer. I would, um, basically coach teams. I would want to teach people things. I would want to, you know, there's a variety of different ways that I would be looking at my background and looking at what was it that I did? What was it that I liked about that? What was it that I maybe didn't like about that? And then start taking all of those different lists and putting them together into what does that mean in the big scheme of things that is kind of that overlying um, or overlapping trend that I was seeing amongst each and every topic with it. So, And I love that because oftentimes we just, we, we think we know what we're good at, right? When, but whereas you, you actually did a poll, you surveyed people that knew you, that worked with you, and you got an outside perspective, which is so important for all things, not just as it pertains to the zone of genius, but for all things, because you know, when you're so close to something or you're looking at something so intimately, so frequently, it's hard to have any kind of objectivity. And many times people around you, like your boss, will tell you that you're good at things that maybe you didn't think you were good at and not so good at the things that you actually did. And <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And it's so important. Yeah. And it's important to also what you did is also a step further. It's important to double click and, and and not just say, I like physical therapy, so let me start a physical therapy business because that's not what you did, right? What you yeah, did no. was you started something else because you double clicked on why you enjoyed physical therapy, why you enjoyed coaching, why you enjoyed, you know, all these other positions and you honed it and, and you distilled it down to the fact that you like, you know, supporting people and providing guidance and coaching them and teaching um, and that's how you segued into a business that capitalizes on your zone of genius. But, but, but let me ask you, Anne, 
our listeners, right, that are listening to this, they're going to say, well, Anne's been working. She knows her zone of genius. People know, you know, how she's in the workplace. What about a mom that's been out of the workforce for 20 years, right? She's ready to get back to the workforce. She doesn't know where, how, in what capacity, what to do, what industry. What advice do you give her? I would start um, again with kind of sitting yourself and seeing what do you like, what do you not like. Even even if I had never worked, um, I would still have an idea of different things that intrigued me. Like I'd like to learn a little bit more about maybe what opportunities are in the space of finance, or I'd like to learn. I like to balance our checkbook. I like to be in charge of the finances. Um, you know, if that's the case, then then maybe. Let's let's explore that a little bit more. Let's see what's in the world of finance and see if something jumps out at, at you for that topic. Or um, potentially if you really enjoy just providing support, if you are a very organized person and you like to do, um, you know, if you're that Marie Kondo type that wants to simplify and streamline, you know, things, then then maybe that is is something that you'd want to look at a little bit more, too. Um, there are so many different opportunities, both online and in person, um, with jobs that um, that it's really a matter of just sitting back and saying, "What what actually am I passionate about? What do I like?" Um, but it does it takes that reflection on yourself, whether you've been in the workforce or not. It, it definitely takes that reflection. Uh, I do think there are also some other tools that are out there that can help, like with the personality assessments and those profiles that can help you narrow down into what are some, some kind of over, I guess, underlying trends that, that sit there. I personally am a fan of the disc assessment and of the Colby assessment or two of them that I am a big fan of that I have noticed in the business experiences that I've had that people that have certain scores tend to be good in different areas of business um, and are able to support businesses in different ways based on what they are scoring on those assessments. So that's, that's, so I'm thinking from the perspective of the women that are listening, right? That's great. I decided I like hot couture. I like fashion. I don't have any experience in fashion. I've been out of the workforce for 20 years. So what advice would you give to women that are listening that, okay, they've sat with themselves. They've reflected on their uh, abilities and their capabilities. They've done these assessments. They decided, I want to pursue a career in X. I am interested in Y. What should they do then? Because the job market is competitive, and They are at a distinct disadvantage having been out of the workplace. So how do you recommend these women sell themselves um, in this new industry around this area that they're passionate about to employers? I would start with definitely looking at what opportunities are there to learn and whether it is as like an internship type role or something like that, where they can start to um, gain some experience, gain some knowledge, even just having conversations with people that are in the business and and seeing what is going on in that are, you know, current trends in that industry and um, and how can they learn more about it? There, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Whether that's um, you know doing the research online yourself, whether that's talking with people in the business, whether that's you know listening to different podcasts. There, there's podcast topics on essentially everything these days um, that you can you can do a lot of background research 
and then start making connections with people that are in the industry. Um, that whether it is a good or bad thing, I think one underlying aspect that's still there when it comes to work, whether that's you know for corporations or not, or even both solo business owners, but um, that who you know will get you further than what you know sometimes. And so just making those connections and and getting to know others that are in that industry and talking with people will, will go a long way. Yeah. And that may sound very intimidating, right? How do I approach? Oh, definitely. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I know that I would listen to this and kind of be like, that's easy for you to say, Zabine. That's easy for you to say, Anne. But I haven't been in the workforce, let's say, for 25 years. I am a complete newbie, right? I'm a complete newbie. That's really intimidating. And, and to that, I would say it doesn't have to be because with tools like LinkedIn, right, mm-hmm. you can connect with people. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen and everyone that, that, that's listening, people love to talk about themselves, A. And <laughs> yeah. B, people love to be treated as experts. So you can reach out to somebody and say, dear Bob, dear Jill, dear whoever, my name is Sabine and I am re-entering the workforce. I'm looking to re-enter the workforce after 20 years and I'm really interested in the industry. And I see that you're a leader in this space. Would you have 15 minutes to just get on a call with me and I could pick your brain a little bit and be humble about it. I know this is out of the blue and I know that this is unusual, but I was really hoping that maybe I can gain some insights and some tips from you as I look to re-enter the workplace. I'm telling you, you will get a far warmer response than you would expect just by listening to me say that. People will respond. People will respond. And I would also suggest on top of that is even like you said, if especially LinkedIn, it's great. You can kind of search through different criteria for everything and and how they work. But even starting that connection and that conversation of, I noticed that you do X, Y, and Z. That's incredible. How did you get started in that? Even just starting the conversation with them, even if it's not going as far as um, as you were mentioning, um, in asking them for a call, even just having that initial conversation and opening the door, if they respond back, then you can continue that conversation even more. That's right. And that boils down to also being prepared, right? This is not like dating where you're like, right, you're on right. a call and you're like, so tell me about yourself. That's not what's going to work. Yeah. You want to maximize the time that this person has graciously given you. So look through their profile, look through their LinkedIn. How did you you know, how did you get promoted to this role? How did you break into this industry? I saw, as Anne mentioned, that you do A, B, and C. How did you learn to do that? Where do you gain those sorts of skills? Have very specific questions. And I'll, I'll tell you, oftentimes they're not asked these things. They're happy to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. They are really happy to talk about it. That's a great point, Anne. Um, now, what about Anne? We've, we've talked about women that are re-entering the workplace. What about women that have been working, they're in the company, they've been working 10, 15 years, they realize they hate their job, they hate this role, they don't want to do this. How do you, what, how would you advise them, you know, to then act upon their zone of genius within the company that they're in 
and or as they begin to pursue external opportunities. A lot of that comes with uh, having conversations with your supervisor, having conversations with HR and discussing what opportunities are out there. Um, Until you open the conversation, though, no one's ever going to know that you I mean, don't don't walk into a, a, an employer and basically be like, I hate my job. I never want to do this again. I mean, you want to do it in a professional way, um, but but open the door to it. Hey, you know, I've been doing this for a few years and I'm looking to gain some experience in Y role instead of X role. Um, and is there any way that I might be able to have so-and-so as a mentor? Or is there any way I might be able to learn these skills as well? Um, but just open the door to the conversation because if you don't even approach it with your employer, they're never going to know that you are number one, that unhappy with your job. And number two, that you are wanting to learn some new skills. You, you appreciate the company, you appreciate the values of what the company has and where you're at thus far, how you've grown that ladder thus far, but you want more. And I don't think there's anything wrong with you expressing that to your employer. Absolutely not. And this is an area that women absolutely suck, right? (laughs) Suck at this. We don't advocate for ourselves. We don't speak up. We don't even ask for the most basic things. Whereas men, they do not have this issue. They will go up to an employer, a supervisor, a manager, their boss and say, hey, and you know, you talked about asking, hey, you know, I've been doing this for a while. I'm really interested now in doing something else. I'm interested in doing X. I'm, I'm interested in learning about Y. I'm interested in taking on more responsibility. How can I do that? What do I need to do to achieve that here? Can you help me get the metrics so that you can meet them and you can advance? You can pivot. You can take on a new role. If you don't even, number one, as Anne mentioned, if your supervisor doesn't even know there's something that you're interested in, you're not going to get it. And number two, if you don't know the parameters, the boxes that you need to tick to get there even, you're never going to get it, right? And it's not a hard ask, Anne. You just say, I'm really interested in learning X or doing Y or managing more. How do I get there? And I also think that it's really important to look at some of the benefits that your company offers that you may not even know they offer. Um, Looking back at if there is any continuing education expense, if there's any courses, any other external programs that would be beneficial to help you take yourself to the next level and be able to offer even more to what that company has and that you're doing with them already. That's right. That's right. And you know what? Especially... The benefit is that especially when you're an employee already, you have the institutional knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can show your supervisors and your managers that you have that knowledge and that you can innovate and you can say, I'd like to work on this challenge that we're facing, on this infrastructural change that we're pushing for. I'd like to take on efforts to do A, B, and C. This is what you have going for you. But again, it boils down to we need to simply verbalize it to our managers because if we don't, they are never going to know, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, the last segment I want to talk about are the women that are seeking to pursue entrepreneurship, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a a main focal area for for you, Anne, so I'm really excited uh, (laughs) to talk to you about this, especially... In COVID. And, you know, I can't, unfortunately, we can't even say post-COVID because we are not post-COVID. We are very much still in it. 
And especially in this pandemic fraught landscape, we have seen droves of women, unfortunately, pushed out of the work uh, workforce. They've either been fired, furloughed, or forced to leave. One of the three yeah. Fs, right? It's just the yeah. reality. And it's been disproportionately women and disproportionately mothers, right? Yeah. And it's it's awoken the realization that perhaps entrepreneurship is the path for them uh, because it affords so many things such as flexibility and following your zone of genius, as you mentioned. So what yeah. specific advice would you give to women that are now looking to apply their zone of genius, not to an employer, not to an existing role, but to a completely new business? Well, so two pointers that I would take from the experience that I have had starting my business um, is consistency and the kind of underlying theme of faith over fear. Um, a lot of stuff is going to be fearful, really. But it's either you take a leap of faith with it or you are fearful and you don't do anything. And it doesn't help you move forward at all if you don't take that leap of faith. Um, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, it was... I, I thought that it was going to take me I about three years is basically what I even told um, the coach that I had hired. I said, I think it's going to take about three years for me to replace my um, income and be able to quit my full-time job. Um, I was able to do it in six months, not because I'm you know more special than anyone else, but because I took the action and, and took the leap of faith more and more each time that I was doing what what they had told me to do. I highly recommend the use of a coach if you are able to afford to hire a coach. I think that there is something about the accountability that will help you to actually follow through with what needs to be done to go out on that limb and start a business on your own. Um, I also think that the business coach, they help you get somewhere a lot faster than doing it on your own. I felt like, especially, you know, like, I'm, I'm an educated person. I, I'm smart. I can figure it out, which is very true. I can. I, I felt like I could figure out whatever I needed to figure out. But a coach could help me get there so much faster because they either already went through it themselves or had the training to know that they um, what could be done and what could be how to navigate the best way to get there the quickest, basically. Um, and it they gave that roadmap that just helps you progress and continue to move forward. So those are kind of two pointers to starting your entrepreneurial journey. Um, I would also say, don't be afraid to um, try things out, even if it's not necessarily what you think you might enjoy. Um, I, I learned a lot about dabbling in a lot of different areas in business before I really honed in on, on my own zone of genius and figuring out that all of how everything correlated. Um, but if I wouldn't have had some of that just basic experience in all of these different areas of business, it wouldn't have been the out. I don't know if I would have gotten to the same outcome that I did with it. That's right. And you know what? I love that you said to hire a business coach. And I'll tell you why. Because when you start a business, you need to, just realistically speaking, you need to make an investment. There is an investment. There is a financial investment in every single type of business, any type of business, even if it's not a brick or mortar business, even if you don't have physical inventory, you need to have 
financial investment in your business. Part of that financial investment is well spent on a business coach, right? Regardless of you have an MBA, you have a PhD, you have certifications, you know, up and down. The accountability, the business specific coaching, right? It's the same reason you get a personal trainer when you go to the gym, okay? Yep. Yeah. It's a worthwhile investment, right? And a meaningful investment into every new business venture. And I will tell you, I will tell you that, you know, what, what Anne mentioned about faith over fear. Fear is healthy. It keeps you motivated, but it should not be the driving factor. That faith, and we're not talking about faith in God. We're not talking about faith in any higher being. We're talking about faith in yourself, which sounds very like, kumbaya around the campfire. I hated it the second I said it and it came out of my mouth. But faith that you can do it, number one, and faith that what you are doing, you believe in it. Because if you have a, a, a deep, a, a deep-seated faith and belief and passion in something, right, there is no way that you can't succeed in it. And I, I've talked about this in previous podcast episodes. You know, genius is 1% talent and 99% persistence. That's that's it. It's it's not it. And I'm always reminded by my mother. My mother, she always, you know, and I'm a child of immigrants, right? She always told me, she said, Zabine, I was always at the top of my class, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, grad school. Every extracurricular, every sport that I played, I was always the best, number one. She's like, you know why? Not because I was the smartest, not because I was the most athletic, not because I was the most, you know, genius, well-rounded child. It's because I tried the hardest. I practiced the most. I studied the longest. I stuck to things longer than anyone and everyone else. And that is why everything I did, everything I tried, I was always the best. And you know, when you're like 12 years old and you're hearing this and you're like, all right, whatever, lady, you are just, you know, where's, where's, like, my, <laughs> where's like my chicken nuggets, right? But now as an adult, I think about it and there is a real lesson to be learned there. And I've seen it applied in every aspect of my mother's life, in the face of every type of adversity, and Lord knows she has faced, you know, some real adversity, she has always just stuck through things. She has had faith yeah. that she can overcome it. Because as, as crazy as it is to say, the struggle is mental, right? Entrepreneurship. Oh, it totally is. <laughs> it's a mental struggle. Yeah. And for the women that are listening, right? What parting advice would you give to them? Not just about, you know, we talk about finding your zone of genius, but acting on that zone of genius and how do they keep going when they feel like, okay, this is it. I can't do this anymore. It's uh, like you were just mentioning there at the end, it's the mindset and, and mindset plays a huge role. I, I never realized getting into entrepreneurship, I never realized how much of that self-reflection was needed and, and, and how much I would learn about who I am as a person. Um, and just the importance of 
continuously telling myself, I got this, I'm figuring it out and I can, I can do this. There's no reason that I can't be successful. It's just a matter of me continuing to be consistent and making it happen. Absolutely. And I think one of the most um, provocative things that it shouldn't be provocative, but the most provocative thing that Anne mentioned is asking for guidance and learning, right? Yeah. And you can do this if you're currently employed. Find somebody that's doing something that you don't know how to do. I talk about this all the time. Be a, be a stalker, right? Say, listen, can you teach me? <laughs> and if they're like, get away, I can't teach you, I'm busy. Okay, can I just sit here and watch, right? And learn, learn these skills. You know, Anne had mentioned, for those of you that are re-entering the workforce after a long absence, right? Seek, seek knowledge from people that are doing it. Make connections. Ask people questions online, right? Research things. Take free classes. Do free internships. There is this amazing, like, sense of entitlement. And it's not just in younger people who everyone likes to point fingers at. It's, I think it's, it's this culture that we live in now of instant gratification where you expect to just get a six-figure job and suddenly be on top of everything. And, and <laughs> you know what I mean? You, 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 you have to get there, but you can only get there if you start at the, at, the, at the bottom, at the fundamentals, and you have to learn. So don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to learn. Um, people appreciate that, and they will recognize that. They will uh, reward you for it, either as you know, uh, your, your boss, your manager, your supervisor, or as clients right? When you were starting your own business. I think just one last thing I wanted to mention too, as you were talking about that is women want to see women succeed yes. as much as it may not seem like it in, you know, on social media or on various different platforms. Um, if, if you are wanting to learn something, women want to see other women succeed as well. Absolutely. And if you ever doubt it, right? If you ever doubt it, that women want to see other women succeed. Think about a time that if you're a woman where you are alone in a meeting, in a room, on a project with a client that was all men and another woman appeared either to sit on the meeting or to support you or on your team, how did you feel? And if you said you felt anything other than even a small amount of palpable relief, we need to work on our self-awareness, right? Because <laughs> it makes a difference. Women do want to see other women succeed. Professionally, personally, we find solidarity and comfort in the presence of other women, whether we admit it or are aware of it or not. And that's a very, very important point. So again, Anne Hill, owner of Hilltop Solutions. Anne, how can people find you if they'd like to learn more about the work that you're doing? LinkedIn is definitely the social media platform that I spend most of my time on. And as you mentioned, Anne Hill is my name on there that you can search for me. Otherwise, uh, my website is hilltopvirtualsolutions.com. Very good. Uh, Anne, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you so much for sharing your experiences and for taking us through the zone of genius. Thank you very much. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today. And for all of you that are listening, we will be sharing in the episode descriptions and social media handles so you can follow her on LinkedIn as well as the link to her website. 
And again, as we kick off season two of Moms at Work, stay tuned for our mini series on the various zones of genius that we'll be covering this season um, through our Founders 5, which will be essentially five-minute speed segments on topics uh, varying from finance to operations to HR to negotiating your salary and asking for a raise and how to quit your job in a blaze of glory as so many of you uh, of us fantasize about doing. So (laughs) until next time, as always, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll see you in the coming weeks. Follow us on social media. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out more episodes at jobs.mom slash moms at work. Thanks for listening to Moms at Work, the official jobs.mom podcast. Uh, I'm Zabine Mirza, and I'm here to let you know that if you have ever thought about starting your own podcast but don't know where to start, have no fear. Pretty Easy Podcasts is here to get your podcast off the ground and sounding great at an extremely affordable rate. So Pretty Easy Podcast helps new and seasoned podcasters by providing production, editing, and podcast management assistance. And with them, you can focus on your show's content while having a reliable tag team partner handle any and all of the technical aspects of podcasting to help your show sound great. So you can go to prettyeasypodcasts.com and get started today. And I know that for me, working with Alan and Melissa really has helped me avoid those roadblocks that so many podcasters run into with recording, editing, feed management. So whether you're new to it or you already have a show, visit Pretty Easy Podcasts and start working with Alan and Melissa. They really make podcasting just that pretty easy. So thanks, Alan. Thanks, Melissa. And thanks to Pretty Easy Podcasts. (laughs) 